Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. People aren't doing things for the TikTok. They're doing things that they love. They're putting it on TikTok, and other people are starting to engage with it because they love it too. To thrive in a rapidly evolving landscape, brands must move at an ever-increasing pace. I'm Matt Britton, founder and CEO of Suzy. Join me and key industry leaders as we dive deep into the shifting consumer trends within their industry, why it matters now, and how you can keep up. Welcome to the Speed of Culture. Up today, we're going to be speaking with Sofia Hernandez, who's the global head of business marketing TikTok and a close friend of Susie and a close friend of mine. Sophia, thanks so much for joining today on our inaugural Speed of Culture podcast. I'm honored. I didn't realize this was the first. How exciting. I couldn't think when I was talking to the team about who I was going to have as our first guest. No other name came to my mind but you. You've had such a big impact on my career and you're doing such amazing things. So I can't wait to dive in today. We're going to start by quickly getting to know a little bit about you. You went from working at some of the largest advertising agencies to working at a pretty crazy, impactful startup to one of the fastest growing entertainment companies in the world. You know, so you've had an amazing journey. Tell us a little bit about that journey, about your career to date. Yeah, it's interesting. When I graduated school, I actually kicked off my career in B2B marketing at a data analysis software company. Realized very, very quickly, Matt, that that's not what I wanted to do. I'm a very creative person. Um, So spent no more than a few months there and then pivoted to advertising where I felt at home immediately. Creativity and consumer insights are at the core of what I love. So I was excited that I could combine creativity, consumer insights to help brands grow their businesses. You know this about me, Matt. I'm an activist at my core. I love people and I love to drive change. And I really wanted to make a change in the industry. So I dove into roles and brands where I could really do that, spent the majority of my time in global positions in advertising, and then like many of us in advertising decided it was time to move on. I was lucky to then join a startup called Suzy, and it was a smooth transition because consumer insights are the foundation of great marketing, and I fell in love with the idea that we could tap into insights in a minute or less, which was and is pretty significant for the industry. Yeah. So then I moved to TikTok. And the way that I describe my role at TikTok now is I help the industry become TikTok fluent. I spend my time helping the biggest marketers and the smallest businesses around the world find new and creative ways to connect with people on TikTok. 
And, you know, one of the biggest shifts overall, just to kind of summarize, is you kind of went from being on the service side, uh, you know, in agency land, where basically clients tell you to jump and you say how high, to now actually being the client, right? So I know that you have stakeholders, but ultimately you are running the brand. Like, how's that different for you? I still feel like I'm in the service industry because we, you know, like our clients are a lot of the same clients. I think the difference is that the impact that TikTok has had on the industry, we're essentially teaching marketers how to do it in a very new and different way yeah, and break a lot of the kind of old ways of doing marketing, similar to what Susie did, right? Like, let's look at consumer insights in a new in a new way. TikTok is telling you to think like a creator, act like a marketer, but think like a creator. I know. And it, it, the, the way I was describing TikTok to someone the other day in terms of how brands and how consumers have to approach it is the bar is really raised to a level, which I think they haven't really had to contend with before. So I was involved in social media marketing from the beginning. And at the beginning, sort of like the medium was the idea. So the big idea was being on Twitter or being on Facebook. That was the idea in itself. And being on social media is no longer an idea in itself. It's what, how are you going to activate? And, you know, in previous platform iterations, I think the bar wasn't as high. And you could probably get away with things that looked a lot more like traditional advertising, where I think on TikTok, you're just going to get exposed unless you really bring your A game in a way that's really native to the platform. And I would imagine that makes it even somewhat intimidating for brands to jump on. Yeah, I think what's happened on other platforms is over the past decade, we've gotten so formulaic with the way we show up as marketers on those platforms, right? It's, you know, like the rules around how many words or how many seconds your video should be, sound off, subtitles, et cetera. And TikTok really came into the scene and, and kind of broke all of those rules and said, actually, the number one rule is show up authentically, which is one of the hardest things for brands to do because they've spent millions of dollars and a lot of time building brand guidelines, look, tone and feel. This is how we show up. This is how we talk. And, you know, like a lot of the bigger brands also have a lot of like legal and procurement kind of uh, processes that they go through before they put something out into the world. And what we're saying is you actually have to just show up as you are, be a part of the community, and you have to do it for real in real time. We've been talking about real time for a long time in marketing, but now we're asking brands to like, if you see that your brand is being talked about in the platform, you have to get in there and be part of the conversation right away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're going to dig more into TikTok a little bit later in this podcast, but it's such a fascinating platform, fascinating company. And there's so many different angles that I think our audience could really benefit from hearing about. But we're going to jump into our first section of the podcast, which is called Culture Watch. So as you mentioned, you know, at Suzy, we're about the speed of culture, really being able to move quickly, make decisions in, in iterative and, and rapid format to really keep up with the speed of, speed of business. And this section is all about learning from you at the speed of business. And we're going to go through four different questions and you're going to have 30 seconds to answer each question. Don't get nervous. Okay. You go a little over, a little under, it's all good. And just to really get to know you. Okay. So I'm going to ask the four questions and we're going to dive right in. So. All right. Hit me. Three, two, one. First and foremost, what's the most important business decision you had to make quickly? Uh, it's hard to pick one. I work in really high pace environments, so I feel like I make hard business decisions every day. I guess I'd actually say 
One of the hardest decisions I've had to make quickly related to business is a career decision. And that was taking on a new job at a fast growing startup during at the start of the pandemic, in fact. Yep. And we'll definitely be digging into that a little bit further because I know a lot about that situation. (laughs) (laughs) Second, what do you think will be the fastest growing industry or business in the next few years? Travel. Interesting. Have you traveled anywhere interesting uh, recently? I've traveled a lot recently, but I think travel is because we were restricted from travel for so long and the behaviors that we've incorporated over the past two years, that you're going to see a significant shift in travel and all the things that stem from travel. All right. We'll dig into that as well. What do you think the fastest growing consumer product will be in the next few years? I've got to say TikTok. <laughs> no surprise there. <laughs> and again, I think there's so much for to be learned about the platform and its really impact on business, impact on culture and society. And what do you see as the fastest growing uh, trend in business and you know, really driven from the consumer in the next few years? I think anything centered around community. Yes. And community is such a, it really has been such a huge driver of sort of business strategies, really cross categories since really the dawn of social media. And I think obviously a lot of brands have had tremendous success building community. And I think there's been a lot of missteps in that area. So we'll dig into that further as well. So I want to kind of double click on each of these areas because I think, you know, there's a lot of insight to be unpacked. So first, let's talk about the decision you made to join TikTok. And this is actually quite meta for me because I was heavily involved in it. Sophia and I were working closely together at Suzy and we were on a great run. And it was probably around April 2020, I think, if memory serves me correct, uh, where Sophia reached out to me and told me that she had this once in a lifetime opportunity to join TikTok. I obviously, you know, us being such good friends, on one hand, I was so excited for you. On the other hand, you know, I was so not disappointed, but I guess just I guess taken aback because we had such a good thing working at Suzy, but this is what happens in people's careers. One piece of advice I often give to other CEOs and business leaders is you should applaud your best people when they leave because your journey isn't theirs and their journey is going to take a lot of different twists and turns and you have to support that. And, uh, you know, I'm glad where we ended up, but talk to me about, I guess, the different drivers of that decision? Because many people in our audience are going to be faced with decisions like this, where they like where they're working, but they have another opportunity, which they think is it really creates upward opportunity in their career. What were some of the uh, different things that you thought about and the variables that, that led you to your decision? Yeah, well, I'll say, you know, I didn't like where I was working. I loved where I was working and I loved what I was doing. And I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to you, Matt, but what we were building was and is a disruptor in the industry. And I love challenger brands. I love disruptor brands. I love startups because I love kind of the pace and, and the build and really kind of leaving your touch on things. Sure. We had an amazing team. We had just raised a series C and, you know, like we felt like we had no idea what was going to happen with the pandemic, but we felt we were going to be okay. And then, you know, TikTok reached out right at the start of the pandemic and, I'm, you know, senior level executive. I have young children. Mm -hmm. I'm the breadwinner of the household. So there was a lot for me to consider in making a move like this in a time where there was like, we had no idea back in March when, when we all, you know, were told to go home, what the future held. And so it was bigger than just, is this the right career move? It really felt like, is this the right move for my life? Yeah. And I 
I go by this, this quote of, or this saying of comfort is the enemy of progress. And so I like to always feel a little uncomfortable with what I'm doing. And maybe this is getting a little too deep, but I remember going to no, bring it. partner and asking him what he thought I should do. And he said, when you remove the fear from this decision and you come at it from a place of love, what do you feel like you should do? And I thought, I said, I think I, it's time for me to move. Gotcha. So it was that moment when you guys talked where you said, you know what, this is right for me. It is. When I took the fear out of it, I knew it was right. And were there other people who you consulted and more broadly, do you have sort of a network of mentors or other colleagues in the industry who you go to for decisions like this? Or was this largely just a very personal thing that you discuss with your family? No, I have an incredibly vast network of mentors and people who help guide me throughout my career, both personally and professionally. You are actually one of those mentors, but I obviously couldn't go to you. Well, thank you. Goes both ways. Yeah, I did. I consulted some people who I really respect in the industry. I consulted other female leaders who have families and, you know, they all helped me make this decision and everyone was very supportive. So that, that felt good. And when you talk about having a vast network of mentors, because so many successful people in business have told me that that's so critically important as they kind of go along the career journey, what advice would you have for people looking to build that network of mentors and that support system? I guess I would say when you think about a mentor, there's not like someone who's going to give you a one size fits all mentorship. I go to different people for different things. So there are some mentors I really respect as leaders. And so when I have challenges related to leadership, I go to them. I, there are some people I respect very much from a business growth standpoint and just how they run their businesses, how they think about success from a business standpoint. And when I have those challenges, I go to them. And then again, like there, you know, being a woman of color, being a Latina, there are other mentors that I go to who have been there, done that in corporate America. And I kind of talk to them about the pain points of being a very, one of the very, very few Latina executives at this level. So there are different people for different topics. And how do you go about building that network? How do you meet people who you will one day consider to be mentors? Do you go to conferences? Are you involved in organizations? What's that process like? I talk to a lot of young kids about this because I think you have to start building your networks from a very, very early age. Couldn't agree more. I mean, like high school, you're building your networks. I have a mentor who is more of a personal mentor. I've known her since the seventh grade and she's in her seventies and she's still someone I go to regularly. So I think you start early. And what I say is like every single person you meet, you should be keeping in touch with because you never, ever know how that person can help you in your future. It is such a small world. So true. And I also double down on networking is more than like, let me just follow you on LinkedIn. You know, send a note to someone, remind them where you met when you see an art. Let's say you met at, I don't know, like a barbecue restaurant, random example. But, you know, let's say you find like the latest, hottest barbecue restaurant, send them a note like, hey, thought of you when I saw this review of this restaurant because of where we met. Like something simple like that. But I love that. I feel like we have to keep warm connections with people because above all, like we're all humans. And I think humans want to help other humans. So keeping that connection is really strong. It's bigger than building a Rolodex. Absolutely. I'll also say that it goes both ways with you. Many of our young stars at Suzy look at you as a mentor and reach out to you when they're encountering challenges in their business. And, you know, I think it's amazing that 
despite your busy schedule, despite the fact that you're a mom of, of two kids and everything you've going on, you still make time to be a mentor for others. And I think it's amazing that you're able to carve that out. A friend of mine named Kevin Colloran, who is one of the first people at Facebook, I specifically remember his tactic for keeping his network. And it was every single year, right when the holidays hit, he would send me a note on just how his year has been and the things that are going on in his life. And it was just that one email I would get from consistently every single year. So I think some people, when they think about building a network, think it's this sort of robust sort of CRM-based plan you need to put together. (laughs) But something as simple as just making sure that once every single year, whoever those people are you want to keep in touch with, you're saying a no to, that's a thousand times better than doing nothing. And if you can do a lot more, obviously, the more the better. So I love that. So that's amazing. And, and, you know, obviously change is never easy. And I think from my perspective, the way that you handled the change was with such grace, because I think what's even more important a lot of times in business than how you actually acted when you're at a company is how you act when you're leaving. And, you know, what you made sure you did was not just, you know, showed that you were gracious about the opportunity, but you literally did everything possible that you could do to help us during the transition. And, you know, I was so thankful and still am so thankful of that today. And, you know, I think based upon that, now you're a board member of Susie. So it just goes to show you, you know, you never want to leave on a bad note. You never want to burn bridges, but not only not burn bridges, but when you exit an organization, it's actually an opportunity for you to actually create opportunities in the future that you might not even see at that point. So I think that was uh, something that I'll never forget. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So obviously, I asked you what the fastest growing business will be in the next few years. And you answered the same way that I think many people in business, even who don't work at TikTok is, which is TikTok. And I guess the question I'd have for you, and you talked a little bit earlier about authenticity, but if you had to say, what is the biggest driver behind TikTok's uh, meteoric growth? What would you say it is? The creator community. What is so special about this platform is we've essentially built a space and have given the tools for people to come together, showcase their talents, eventually monetize from those talents, but more importantly, bring like-minded people together. So there are all these communities within TikTok that cover everything from like plants, plant talk to like book lovers and book talk to, you know, there's witch talk, people who love you know, the, the idea of witches and are really into witches. There's a, a golf talk, any, any community you could possibly be interested in there. It exists on this platform. And 
The other kind of key piece about TikTok is it's built on a content graph, not a social graph. So it's all about watching TikTok, not checking TikTok. It's about what you love versus who you know. Exactly. And so people are spending a movie's worth of time on the platform because they constantly are served up content that they're interested in. The algorithm does a really good job of learning what you like and continuing to put that in front of you. And you talk about the creator community being so very powerful. If you are a creator and you want to actually start to build a presence on TikTok, you know, what what are the first couple of things that you'd suggest someone does to really get going? Because even to me, who does some thought leadership, who does speaking, et cetera, it's intimidating to me. I just don't even know where to start. You know, I, you know, at least with LinkedIn, I know I could just write something or film a quick video, but I feel like that won't fly on TikTok, you know? So what, what do I do first? Actually, it is very simple. And the same advice we give creators is the same advice we give brands. It is just like whatever you want to talk about, whatever you want to showcase, just record yourself doing it, but do it in a very authentic way. That is the key is that you don't overthink it. You don't overproduce it. You don't, that you just kind of show up as you are. And it's a little bit of trial and error. People will create a lot of content on the platform. And one thing will just like, it will get so many views And then you'll realize like, oh, I guess that got views because my joke was funnier or because I had a red shirt on or like it's random. Right. It's really about what people find interesting and engaging. So so don't overthink it, Matt. Like you have so much you, for instance, as a thought leader, have so much to say. I would just start making short videos with your POV. I'm right after this podcast. I'm jumping on. (laughs) I'm convinced. Do it have to do it. I also love the form factor in that you talk about authenticity. And for so long, people were just so hungry for likes in the Facebook, Instagram era. And I do think it made them post things that were maybe slightly less authentic uh, to kind of game the system. And I think just given the way that the TikTok algorithm works, where you're seeing content from people who you don't even follow based upon what, what you like and your interests, I think that makes people probably change the way they approach it. And in so in a much more authentic way. Well, I remember back in the day, you mentioned Difty in your book, right? Did it for the Instagram. And TikTok is almost the complete opposite of that, right? Like people aren't doing things for the TikTok. They're doing things that they love. They're putting it on TikTok and other people are starting to engage with it because they love it too. Yep. Totally makes sense. And I think it's a good segue to the next topic because, you know, in the world of do it for the Instagram, and that was a topic I wrote about my book, Youth Nation, you know, it was really about this experience economy and the fact that people, the millennial generation especially, were starting to define themselves around experiences and not the accumulation of physical goods, right? Because posting a picture of your new car was nowhere near as exciting to your audience as, you know, trying to climb to the top of Machu Picchu, right? Or sitting front row at, a, at an NBA right. game or meeting the DJ or whatever it may be. So, you know, we had the start of sort of this experience economy and then the pandemic hit and obviously all travel got shut down. And all of a sudden on everyone's social feeds, you started seeing, you know, a whole lot uh, less of travel related activities, obviously. Now, hopefully for the fifth time, knock on wood or whatever it is, we're reopening again. And, you know, when I asked you, what's the fastest growing industry going to be moving forward? You said travel, which I have to say, 
did come as a little bit of a surprise because we still are on the tail end of the uh, Omicron, you know, variant. And a lot of people still aren't ready to fully get out and travel. Why was that your answer? Travel was my answer because I think you started to touch on it. Experiences was what people were leaning into. And then a lot of experiences got taken away or the opportunity to, to build experiences got taken away. We have been at home creating our own, right? Like home remodeling. Everyone's learned how to cook. Staycations, quarantines got together. But I think now, now as things open up, people are looking at their lives with fresh eyes. And I saw this even over the holidays with my own kids. They didn't want anything. What they wanted was to like go to Miami and then be on the beach. They wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Right. It's such a great insight. Yep. Yeah. And so they wanted to go to Chicago. We live in New York. They wanted to go to Chicago and hang with their cousins. They didn't want toys. Right. And so I see like I think it's the concept of experiences is back. And people are craving it. And so, you know, travel is going to be a huge part of our lives, not only because of that, but when you think about return to office, not everybody's returning to office. So people can work from beaches, they can work for wherever they want. And this is created. So like from travel, telehealth is going to be big. Online shopping has completely transformed. Yep. Distance learning. And so I think no one is going to stay put anymore. It's interesting because you talked about like e-commerce and recently both Amazon and Shopify, two of the largest players in e-commerce, have talked about, you know, some slowdowns going on versus the, you know, in the heart of the pandemic. But that kind of plays into what you said, because the reason that your kids aren't asking for anything is most people have bought everything because they weren't spending any money on travel. They were staying home and they bought everything they could possibly buy. Uh, now moving forward, the reason that e-commerce will probably continue to grow is for a completely different reason. Not because people are just buying as much as they can. It's because since they're going to be so much on the move, they probably aren't going to have as much time to go to traditional retail stores. So I think, you know, it's a, I think that we're going to see a shift and people think it's going to be a whiplash where things that did well during the pandemic will stop and things that didn't will start to do well. But I don't think it's that simple because I think, you know, obviously we're entering a new realm here. I agree. What about business travel? I mean, are you traveling a lot for business right now? And do you think you're going to need to travel as much moving forward as you did pre-pandemic? So I think business travel will shift. I think the old concept of business travel will remain an old concept of business travel. Business travel today will be more... In remote work environments, how do we bring people together? I think that's the new business trouble versus let's go see clients. Let's go, you know, do that keynote, you know, speech in person. I think those things will continue to be hybrid. So you'll see a pullback in like client visits and, and potentially like what we're doing today. We might have done this in a studio pre-COVID, right? Absolutely. But we're fine doing it virtually. But I do think you're going to see a new kind of travel where large groups are going to be coming together to build that bond. Because while I love the concept of remote work, I do miss like the water cooler bonding totally. together. That's so important. I mean, think about those amazing offsites we had when we were launching Suzy and right. how impactful they were, creating trust between our executive team, getting to know each other personally, et cetera. So I would agree. I think, you know, the bar is going to be raised for why people travel, but when they do travel, it's going to be far more impactful. So, you know, I used to fly to Seattle for a one hour meeting and come back, which I definitely could have done over Zoom. I probably won't do that anymore, but I think I'm much more likely to try to get people together and have those bonding experiences or experiences that we can really ideate and have through these breakthrough moments. 
That's right. Yeah. I mean, so I think now when you talk through it, it does make sense on travel. And are you traveling anywhere interesting or you have planned coming up in the next couple of weeks or months? So we're starting to open up. We're still very much work from home and keeping our team safe. We're starting to open up in the coming months and we're planning a global leadership uh, meeting. It is in New York though. So I won't be traveling (laughs) very far. (laughs) I was hoping Dubai or something, but nope, it's in New York. It's good for the fam though. But yeah, I'm sure. Okay, awesome. And and talk about bringing people together and the power of sort of personal interaction. And when I asked you the fastest growing consumer trend, you said community. Why was that your answer? Everything is centered around community right now. So people are looking for more meaningful relationships with the people and places around them. I think about what's happening on the platform, all these community on TikTok, all these communities coming together to talk about, you know, similar interests, to encourage each other. I think about the concept of entertainment and community. So if you remember back in the day, house party, of course, like that was all about bringing people together. Then, you know, fast forward to during the pandemic, the concept of group watch that Disney plus put out. So bring people together. And, you know, I see it on this platform. And even as we start to go back outdoors, you're still seeing communities come together to engage around similar interests and passions. And I don't see that stopping. I'll take it a level deeper as you talked about, you know, Amazon and shopping and like community commerce is the future. So talk to me about community commerce. What is community commerce? So community commerce is all about people coming together to talk about the things they want to buy. We can link it to entertainment and live shopping, right? Which is something that we've really been doing on the platform since since the end of 2021. We've partnered with like Walmart and Ulta and American Eagle to create live shopping experiences, which are essentially ways to engage the community in a very entertaining way, not just push products out or talk about product point of differences. It's really about having like a fun time and also, yeah, maybe shopping while you're doing that. So take me through this. So you're with a group of friends and you're watching a video and it's almost like QVC and you're talking to people about those products while you're seeing it. Is that a good way to sort of describe the experience? Yeah, except typically what you do is partner with creators who have groups of people with like-minded interests and a creator might sit with you and talk about Susie or sit with American Eagle and talk about some of their jeans or products and try them on, whatever's natural and authentic to the way that creator behaves. So this is a really silly example, but I like to use it. Like we have creators that are really great with magic or magicians and have like amazing followers. And so, you know, they might kind of incorporate magic into how they're talking about a product that you want them to talk about. And it's a really entertaining and engaging way where a community of people are watching that and potentially buy. So a lot of people don't understand how creators can actually make money. And it sounds like this is actually a monetization opportunity for creators because they're taking the influence that they have, their audience that they've created, you know, their unique persona, and they're connecting it with a business that wants to sell a product or service, and you're connecting the two. And your product essentially brings it all together. Yes. The creator economy, the passion economy is alive and thriving on TikTok. Wow. And one of my roles as well is at TikTok is to connect brands with the right creators 
for their efforts. We really try to diversify the set of people of creators that we present to brands. And when I say diversify, I mean, yes, cultural, but also if you're Nike, don't necessarily just look at creators who, you know, are athletes or talk about athletics, et cetera. Like you could work with a creator that's a scientist or leans into filmmaking or animation. There are lots of ways to bring your brand to life in partnership with creators. I love that. Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine who's in gaming who we're working with and people think gaming is just heavy male, heavy millennial, but they're partnering with a fashion brand. And because they're trying to widen out the spectrum of who the gaming audience is, because gaming is a huge part of culture. And so I think brands definitely need to think more broadly about how they partner and don't just do it in such expected ways. So, but the community shopping thing is, sounds like a very interesting trend that I could see taking off and obviously connects a lot of the things that consumers love to do. They love to shop. They love to be with other people at the same time. Obviously the creator economy is on fire. So it's going to be interesting to see how that takes off in in the years ahead for sure. So we're going to kind of get into our last section of the podcast. I think we're doing great. Sophia, so thank you. No matter how many times I've spoken on stage or whatever it may be, the first time you do something, you still get those jitters, still get those nerves, but you've just made it go along so smoothly. So not surprised, but thank you for that. So last two things. First and foremost, we've covered a lot of topics today. What is one thing that you want us to ask consumers on the Suzy platform around any topic we touched upon today that we could share with our audience the results of during the next podcast? I guess I'd want to know their opinion on how brands can be a bigger part of communities or their communities. I love that. I love that. And I was just reading before this how like companies like Lululemon have seen tremendous success around infusing communities. So I wonder, first and foremost, when you ask questions like that on Suzy or in any market research platform, it's always interesting to me to see how consumers even define community. Right. Because it's such a sort of an abstract concept of community. That's a great point. Yeah. And then how, so, so some of the times it's just how you actually ask the question or how you actually help them define it. Other times you just want to leave it open ended and see what, how consumers really are thinking about it. Um, because semantics is so much of this, but that's a great question. We'll certainly, uh, ask our audience that and we'll unveil the results during our next episode. And then lastly, you know, we've talked about speed on this podcast and, and, and moving at the speed of culture, but obviously the yin and the yang and balance is so important in life. So in a fast moving world, Sophia, Like, what is the one thing that you feel is uh, worth slowing down for? And what does actually slow you down? So for sure, my kids, right? Like they're, they are my life. And so I, I tend to slow down for them. But honestly, Matt, after these last two, what has it been? Two and a half years, almost three, it's health. Right. I think a lot about my health now. And so I definitely make time to, you know, work out, to eat better, et cetera. It's, it's a key priority for me. Yep. As it should be for all of us. Well, I want to thank you again for joining. This has been amazing. I'm so excited to see how this all turns out and we'll be sure to uh, keep you in the loop on future podcasts and we'll definitely have you back again. So on behalf of uh, myself, Matt Britton, the whole team at Suzy and Adweek, we want to just thank you for joining uh, today's episode of The Speed of Culture and we will be back real soon. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Matt. The Speed of Culture is brought to you by Suzy and Adweek. To find out more about Suzy, head to suzy.com and make sure to search for The Speed of Culture in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click follow so you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Suzy, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.